0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. That is Alex Curso at Alex Curso. I am at Ben Wolby at Ben Wolby. Alex, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm doing so great. I'm so excited. This is the episode we've all been waiting for. It is the my guys, the players we cannot leave our draft without. This is not about ADP or about cost. These are the players that. Me and Ben are probably going to have the most shares of in our fantasy football draft so far. Two of these guys I have in four out of four redraft leagues so far. So without further ado, let's get into them. We're going to count down from five leading up to our number one, my guy. Ben, we'll start with you. Who is your number five, my guy?
0: My number five, my guy. This is a quote by him. On my daughter's name, if I'm healthy, with Trevor Lawrence. I'm giving Jacksonville 1,400 yards a season period. I think that's the third time I have said that quote on this podcast because – do I believe Calvin Ridley when he says he is going for 1,400 yards this year? He believes in himself, and if he does finish with 1,400 yards, that is more than the wide receiver five, C.D. Lamb had last year. He's currently being ranked as the wide receiver 16, and he saw a target per route run of 26 and a half percent, which would have ranked 11th last year, just behind Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Hopkins. And prior to that, in 2020. It was 25%. of That ranked 11th again. This is a very sticky metric from year to year with an R squared of 60%. My projection model has this team as a top 10 offense. And since 2018, the average finish for the top target earning wide receiver in a top 10 passing yard offense is wide receiver seven. I think that this is a guy with top five upside, top seven likelihood, and without a doubt, My guy, top 12, I'm drafting him like a wide receiver
1: one. How much risk do you think is baked in right now to Calvin Ridley? Like just for the people that are saying that he hasn't played in two years and he hasn't really played a full season in three years, like what do you say to those people that are saying there's going to either be a lot of rust to knock off or he's just not going to be the same guy because it's been so long since he's been on the football field?
0: And that's, I think, the biggest argument for Calvin Ridley because you consider how good that offense was last year. Christian Kirk being the team's leading wide receiver. Evan Ingram was pretty solid. And Trevor Lawrence, definitely a guy who can spread the ball around. I think that the concern, totally valid. But when I'm thinking about guys I could build my roster around, Calvin Ridley is priced at a spot. Alex, you end every single show with, don't forget to keep chasing that upside. Calvin Ridley is a chasing that upside guy. If he can get back to his peak alpha wide receiver form in the first two, three weeks, he's my guy. and I'm drafting him like it.
1: Yeah, When I think of the chasing that upside, I think James Conner is one that comes to me because I think that right now his price is very depressed just because of the fact that he's playing in a bad offense and we don't know when Kyler Murray is going to come back. But the biggest thing with James Conner is the fact that you know, he's been a top 10 running back in points per game in back-to-back years, top 25 in points per game for five straight years, going as the running back 26 right now. On top of that, he averages 22.5 fantasy points per game when Kyler Murray is out, which is we number one among all running backs. And also among running backs to average 15.8 touches for a full season, 99% of those running backs finish top 20. James Conner is going to see that workload this year, and I have him so far in almost every league I've drafted.
0: I've been trying to grab James Conner every which way I can. This offense is bound to produce a relevant fantasy player. We've seen James Conner be relevant without Kyler Murray. We've seen Marquise Hollywood Brown relevant with or without Kyler, depending on the different splits that you're taking a look at. And I don't think that there should be any hesitation in drafting a player from what I truly believe will be the worst offense in the National Football League this year. But for James Conner, the concern comes down to touchdowns. Alex, we've talked about this a couple times on this show. Remind the people why the touchdown upside doesn't necessarily matter for James Conner.
1: Well, more than anything, it's just about the expected points. I mean, like last year among all running backs, when you talk about where they were getting their touches on the field, James Conner was 12th in expected fantasy points per game. That ultimately matters more than anything because that includes the touchdowns for where he's getting the carries or the targets on the field and every year he seems to be in the top 20 running backs for that stat. And again, off-volume alone, we are buying James Conner. He has almost zero competition for touches, and is someone that you're going to want on your fantasy team, even if it doesn't seem as fun or as sexy as you're looking for.
0: At cost, no denying that James Conner is a buy. And for Alex, James Conner is his guy. My guy, my running back, I'm taking him as my fourth guy is Joe Mixon, who I do not love, but the combination of his ADP and given what we know about him makes him my guy. I think he's massively undervalued and has a top five potential, if not top 12, because he has finished as an RB1 in every single season that he has ever played an entire season for. Uh, he's in a top five offense in the NFL, and, and we continue to incorrectly draft guys like Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Isaiah Pacheco, James Cook, A.J. Dillon, guys that we're like, oh, they're in really good offenses. I want them. Then why not Joe Mixon? Because he was bad last year. He was second in expected fantasy points. If you take a look at where he was getting his carries, he had a career high in receptions. If you take a look at the amount of targets, routes, runs, and that five touchdown game, second in most expected fantasy points among all running backs. And yeah, he was not good last year. Get rid of that one five touchdown game. He finishes as a low end RB two, but that's when we—that's why we talk about variance in fantasy football. I think that. He could be that dark horse top five guy because I think that he'll see positive regression since he was not himself last year. And also he should earn that receiving roll back. Last year, Samaje Pirine took over once Mixon left with a, a concussion for a couple of weeks. And then uh, Mixon saw 30% fewer routes per game. And like I said, he broke his career record in receptions. I expect him to do it again this year. He's my guy at cost. Love Joe Mixon, taking him wherever I can.
1: I mean, I think it should be noted that he was second in expected fantasy points among all running backs last year, behind only Austin Eckler. And again, we've noted before in the show that the other players in the top five were Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley. As far as valuable role goes, Joe Mixon is at the top of the list. Obviously, there is a little bit of concern with this upcoming trial and that maybe he could be suspended or the efficiency. But do you see, you know, Chase Brown taking over this Samaj P. Ryan role? Or do you think that if anything, that james joe mixon's opportunity share is going to go up a little bit and he's going to see a higher volume of like the total Bengals running back touches even if
0: chase brown eats
1: into this workload even if any running back eats into this workload we know
0: joe mixon not only is he a bell cow but he is the number one running back in this top five offense in the nfl and we know that because he said he wanted to come back for his team His team wanted to bring him back. He restructured his contract a little bit. He didn't have to. He recognizes what he brings to the table. And I kind of think, as we've seen with the running back position, these teams unfortunately like to run the running backs into the ground as much as they can. But Mixon is a bell cow. He has proven to be a bell cow. He has been a top 12 running back in every single season that he's stayed healthy. There's just no reason not to treat him like that. And he's being drafted as the RB15 right now. He has the whole backfield to himself
1: yep and beyond that like we can, we've seen with Brees Hall and now Dalvin Cook is on the Jets and the Patriots where Ezekiel Elliott is is on the Patriots and how those backfields are playing out Joe Mixon is in one of these really rare roles right now where like there is literally like no competition behind him and we're seeing these other backfields you know add more veterans and depth every single week and that is even more reason to be talking to someone like Joe Mixon and speaking of finding these areas where you know there are not a lot of competition for touches. Christian Watson is in a perfect situation for that in Green Bay without much competition for targets. I mean, last year, if you look at just the second half of the season as a rookie, there were only three more players with more fantasy points per game than Watson, and that was Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and CeeDee Lamb. All those guys finished top five for the whole year. Beyond that, Christian Watson also led all NFL in fantasy points per route, And every wide receiver in the top 10 of that fantasy points per route stat right now is being drafted as the wide receiver 11 or better. That's where the best players go. Christian Watson was also 11th in yards per route run. The 10 guys above him, eight out of them finished in the top eight wide receivers. And the number one stat for Christian Watson is just the fact that he put up a 2.25 plus yards per route run as a rookie. Every other player to do that as a rookie finished as a top seven wide receiver in points per game for year two. Um, I'm all in on Christian Watson, regardless of the Jordan Love concerns.
0: And Alex, if anybody has sold me on Christian Watson, it is you and you alone. I wasn't as high on him when we first started doing this show, but since we've gotten to know each other's process and start talking about why Christian Watson may have a good year, you've sold me and I've been drafting him, I think, closer to how you wish – people were drafting him. And I think we, we saw in the preseason game last week, there wasn't really a great connection. Jordan Love overthrew Christian Watson a little bit, not a great pass, but then he hits a really nice touch pass to Romeo Dubs. This is a team that brought in another wide receiver through the draft, more talent through the tight ends that they brought in through the draft. And it kind of makes me scratch my head. Like when you were talking about Calvin Ridley earlier, Is there some rust that's going to need to be shaken off? Do you expect that to happen? We know or we haven't heard any reports that the two of these guys are eating breakfast together every morning. So I think there's naturally some concern. Maybe it's going to take some time, do you think? Or do you think week one, it is a full go for this duo?
1: I think week one's a full go for the duo. We've seen them connect for a couple of big deep balls in practice. And although the breakfast narratives are always welcome on this podcast, um, we have not seen them yet. But more than anything, the talent almost always wins out, especially in these type of situations. He put himself in historical efficiency. And just like we talked about, like is there a higher chance that he busts than maybe some other players going around him? Yes, that is true. But again, when you're playing with anywhere from nine to 15 other league mates, you were always chasing upside. And Christian Watson is that perfect player that if he hits, he is going to hit absolutely massively for your fantasy football leagues.
0: And while you almost likely are not drafting Jordan Love to be your fantasy football quarterback, Alex and I both have quarterbacks that are our guys that we are trying to take in every single draft that we can. For me, it is Justin Herbert. Because there's a very real chance that Justin Herbert is going to lead the entire NFL in pass attempts. He was second last year behind the GOAT, Tom Brady, in pass attempts. And it was the team with the second highest pass rate in the NFL, the fourth highest pace of play. And by the way, the team with the second fastest pace of play, the Dallas Cowboys, whose offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, is now the offensive coordinator of the Chargers. So they're still going to be a very fast offense. And by the way, Kellen Moore with a healthy Dak Prescott. This was a team that led the NFL in scoring in two straight seasons. So now we're talking about the Chargers as, all right, if they're going to lead the NFL in pass attempts, if there's a potential that they could lead the NFL in points, like Kellen Moore did with Dak Prescott and the Chargers for the last two years, don't you want the quarterback of that team on your fantasy football team? Because I know I do. And for additional context, We saw Justin Herbert last year have three more attempts per game than Patrick Mahomes, but it was in an offense that scored five fewer points per game. That adds up a lot over the course of an NFL season, a fantasy football season. Absolutely love grabbing Justin Herbert. There is top five upside, and uh, he's going pretty late right now, probably going around his floor.
1: What do you say to the people that have the injury concerns about you know, uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Like, you know, Keenan Allen missed eight games last year. Mike Williams has been very healthy in his career. I think the injury narratives are overrated. But each of the last two years, he's played on, you know, a bad knee two years ago. And then last year, even when he was playing, he was playing through, you know, multiple different injuries. So what do you say to the people that think that, you know, Herbert is going to struggle a little bit more, that although he has the great weapons and they're going to be fantastic when healthy, you know, they're going to struggle a little bit more if they continue to deal with injuries as these guys get a little bit older?
0: every nfl team has to deal with injuries so i'm not even going to entertain that thought for a second what i am going to entertain Alex. Was this question an opportunity for me to talk about Quinton Johnston? Because it feels like an opportunity for me to bring up how Quinton Johnston is going to help this team. Because last year, these injuries that the Chargers had was part of the reason that they were dead last in average depth of target. Now, the injuries in combination with the fact that they were targeting Austin Eckler at a very high rate, which went out of the backfield, it's going to generate a low average depth of target. So remove all targets that are going to Austin Eckler. This is still the team that was sixth or, or sixth worst in average depth of target last year. They go out, they draft Quentin Johnston, whose 12.6 yard average depth of target led TCU last season. It was longer than any Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver had last year. And Quentin Johnston is going to help open up this offense, whether he is a body catcher or not. He will at least open up the field for guys to get open underneath. Uh, we've seen Keenan Allen struggle against man in his old age, but hopefully Quentin Johnston is going to revive how defenses are playing against this offense. And I just absolutely love every single player possible from the Chargers this year in fantasy football.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I had to play devil's advocate, at least, you know, test the waters on, on how you felt about the injuries. But again, I am all in on these two quarterbacks and Justin Herbert. And my, my guy is Justin fields. I mean, I think that he is going to be the next guy to be this third year QB takeoff among the guys like, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. I mean, Justin Fields last year was the QB three behind only Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts from week six on. He led the NFL in fantasy points per snap. Why is that important? Well, Jalen Hurts actually led the NFL in that stat in 2021 before he took his big leap in 2022. I think that Justin Fields does something similar. Again, finished the QB seven last year. He's going to be in his third year where he's still improving. And now he adds a top wide receiver in DJ Moore on top of the fact that you know Justin Fields finished as a top 10 QB in nine of his last 10 games. And I think that he continues that stretch right onto the season where he can give you every week consistency with a whole lot more upside if he breaks, if he breaks a big run.
0: I absolutely loved in the preseason, we saw Justin Fields getting help from his teammates for the first time ever. If you missed it, Justin Fields does a little screen pass to DJ Moore who takes 60 yards for a touchdown. On the next drive, does a little screen pass to Khalil Herbert, who takes it 50 yards for a touchdown. And finally, it feels like Justin Fields, who had to do it all by himself last year, is getting help. He is getting help, and not only does he have to do it by himself, but he can rely on his other guys, which is only going to make him a better player. But I do have to bring out the big guns, Alex. I got to hit you with something. Last week on our show, you called DJ Moore a bust. So can you explain why Justin Fields is your guy if DJ Moore is your bust?
1: Yeah, I think that it's a a tough parallel, obviously, because if Justin Fields is going to hit, then you would think that DJ Moore is likely more going to hit. But Justin Fields last year you know, finished as, like I said, a top 10 QB, nine of his last 10 games. But the problem was that the Bears over the course of the whole season averaged 22.2 pass attempts, which is really low. And going back to 2011, the highest increase for a team in pass attempts Ever, by a lot, was the 2013 Denver Broncos when they added Peyton Manning. The Bears are obviously not the 2013 Denver Broncos. So the point being is that the Bears are most likely going to be one of the bottom five teams in past temps again. And we've only seen two top 12 wide receivers come from those teams over the last decade. Again, could DJ Moore do what he pretty much does every year and finish as a mid-tier wide receiver too, but it's inconsistent every week? Of course he could. But for me, I think that he's more of a bust in terms of what he's going to do your team and you not being able to trust him or give you top-end production every single week. And I think that his upside is just extremely capped, but he's still going to be productive to some level with Justin Fields.
0: Absolutely. Justin Fields is one of my absolute favorite quarterbacks to be targeting. And same with his former running back, David Montgomery, who I keep talking myself into. He's my uh, second-to-last guy here. Uh, the only team who had more red zone plays last year than the Detroit Lions were the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. 189 red zone plays, 95 red zone rushes, which is the fourth most. And Jamal Williams. Nine more red zone carries than the next closest back. They had the fifth most points scored. They had the most yards of any team in the NFL, and those numbers are likely to regress. Uh, But Ben Johnson is returning as the offensive coordinator. They have a similar offensive identity, and they replaced their running backs with two guys that fit that characteristic very well. They replaced Jamal Williams with David Montgomery. They replaced DeAndre Swift with Jameer Gibbs, who I love Jameer uh, uh, Gibbs as well because of his receiving upside. And I'm not saying David Montgomery is going to finish better than Gibbs. What I am saying is that with this same offensive identity, David Montgomery has a very high likelihood of scoring not 17 touchdowns, but double digits. Absolutely, absolutely love David Montgomery's ceiling in that he could literally just come in, eat up all this red zone work, And remember, Jamal Williams was the RB8 last year. David Montgomery has finished as a top 24 back every single year in the NFL, and he's being drafted outside of that. So yeah, absolutely my guy, David Montgomery.
1: I think the important thing for people to know that are a little bit concerned about David Montgomery that uh, uh, Ian Miller, who also works with us as a colleague at 33rd team, pointed out the fact that whether at Alabama or at Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs never handled over 35% of his team's carries. That is the highest, which means that you know, there's probably not going to get all of a sudden way more in the NFL. Again, I think we both love Jameer Gibbs. I think he's you know one of the best pass catching prospects we've ever seen from a running back. But as far as the rushing work goes, David Montgomery is still going to take that role, and and Gibbs is not all of a sudden going to turn into a goal line back when he never was that in college. I think David Montgomery keeps that role. It's not a fun role similar to James Connor. You don't get excited about David Montgomery, but he is going to make you excited when he scores you fantasy points in your lineup, similar to someone like Chris Olave who is my favorite wide receiver to take in your fantasy football drafts. I have him in all four of my redraft leagues so far. He was number one among all rookies in fantasy points per game for the wide receiver position. He also led all NFL wide receivers in receiving yards per route versus man coverage. He was top 10 in air yards and he now has by far the best QB he's had so far. He's much better upgrade than Andy Dalton or the other quarterbacks he had last year. And with Derek Carr, He has supported a top 12 wide receiver in 2021 and 2022. Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, Derek Carr makes his wide receivers better. And he also falls into that same stat we talked about earlier with Christian Watson, where Olave had over a 2.25 yards per route run. The other guys to do it, like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham and A.J. Brown, all those guys finished as a top seven wide receiver in points per game in their second year. I think that Chris Olave is the most likely candidate to join that list.
0: I'm upset, Alex, because you sent me the show sheet and you said Chris Olave it's my guy, and there's nothing you can do about it. And it made me it made me cry a little bit because I think Chris Olave is my guy as well. He is somebody that I would be targeting in every single one of my leagues if I was able to. Uh, without a doubt, you mentioned Hunter Renfron, Devontae Adams, but also looking even farther back, his top target for the last five years Uh, has finished top five at their position, whether tight end or wide receiver, with the exception of Hunter Renfro, who was the wide receiver nine just uh, was it two years ago, three years ago. I don't think there's any reason why you should be avoiding this offense. I think that the Saints offense could be sneaky good, even like Alvin Kamara, uh, if you don't mind waiting for him to come back from his suspension. The other wide receiver that is my number one guy. I think, behind Chris Olave. But the guy that I prefer as a wide receiver that I am grabbing everywhere I can is going to be ready for it. Garrett Wilson. I mentioned this a few weeks ago at our very first show of the Fifth Down Fantasy podcast, but Garrett Wilson's numbers were nearly identical to Devante Adams. He was actually better than Devontae Adams if you take away all of the times Zach Wilson threw him the football. If you just take a look at plays last year where Garrett Wilson was throwing the ball from anybody other than Zach Wilson, you'll see that he had the same number of targets per game as Devontae Adams when he was the wide receiver one just a few years ago. He had a similar target per route run share, had a higher air yards per target, the same yards per route run, the same number of yards per reception. And if you just look at those games from Garrett Wilson, he finished as a wide receiver one in those weeks. Uh, and now he gets Devonte Adams quarterback, who was Aaron Rodgers. I just don't see how Garrett Wilson doesn't take a step forward when you consider he fits his uh, Devonte Adams exact profile. Is getting his exact quarterback. I absolutely love Garrett Wilson, and I think that he is the guy you need to be drafting in every single one of your drafts, if not Chris so Olave.
1: I really, really like to hear that. I think my only concern is just like that ankle injury. Obviously, I know it's a low ankle sprain. You so have plenty of time for the season to recover, but I know that sometimes ankle sprains can linger a little bit for wide receivers. But do you think that there's going to be any adjustment for Aaron Rodgers and, and Garrett Wilson? I know we've seen the highlights in camp so far, but do you think that it might take you know maybe five or six weeks to have their connection get going, or do you expect Garrett Wilson to put on the same averages for the whole season right away?
0: Let's say it's a slow start, fine. We've seen players have slow starts and finish as a top one wide receiver in fantasy football. That does not bother me. Garrett Wilson is going to be a high priority for Aaron Rodgers in the red zone, regardless of whether or not they're connecting between the 20s, no matter what. And if you're really that concerned, if you're truly that concerned, go out and draft Aaron, um, sorry, go out and draft um, Lazard, Alan Lazard, who if you're worried about like, can these guys build a connection? Well, we know that Rodgers and Alan Lazard have a connection together. So just take him and maybe that'll be a good backup plan. But don't, because that's a waste of a draft pick. And have faith that Garrett Wilson was absolutely stellar last year when anybody not named Zach Wilson was throwing him the ball. And Now he gets a two-time MVP, first ballot Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers, we know is capable of sustaining high-end wide receivers.
1: Before we get into our our final stat of the week and and we get into our final my guy, I just want to preface the last guy we have on the show today by saying that this is probably the player that Ben and I argued, whoever got to say this player more. But I I said to Ben before we were going to record the show that you have to let me have him because he is my number one my guy for this season, someone that I'm targeting in every single draft humanly possible. And Ben said, okay, fine, I'll give it to you. If he is your number one of all number ones, my guy for the 2023 season is Rashad White. I mean, he's been called a three-down running back by his offensive coordinator. He's been reportedly a focal point throughout the passing game and training camp. They've expanded his road tree. I mean, Adam Kaplan said they're in love with him and that the offense is going to run through him. And as noted before, you know, Rashad White led his draft class in PFF receiving grade, and Baker Mayfield has been above average in throwing to running backs every year of his career and actually led the nfl in percentage of passes to the running back position last year and beyond that he just has no competition for touches really he was one of the only bucks off-season. i'm sorry one of the only bucks offensive skill players that sat out in the week one preseason game it was really just mike evans chris godwin and rashad white he's gonna have a full-time role whether this team is trailing or they're ahead and the competition behind him of Keyshawn vaughn chase edmonds and sean tucker is very underwhelming. And I think that Rashad White is the perfect target that you can get right now, as low as the sixth or seventh round of your fantasy football drafts.
0: I don't understand the Rashad White discourse, Alex, in my mind, he is one of the safest picks you can take because he has that elite upside in pass catching. He was top 12 last year in receptions. He had just over uh, 50 receptions last year. And then Leonard Furnett who was third, is now off the team. Yes, this was a team that passed the ball more than any other team last year. But are we forgetting that Rashad White in his only game last year, where Leonard Fournette was out, finished with like 20 fantasy points in that week? Like, yes, that was Tom Brady, but again, Baker Mayfield has had done nothing but elevate his running backs, right? Like even Kareem Hunt was the running back one when they played together back in 2018. Even Cam Akers was the RB2 last year in weeks that he played with Baker Mayfield. Cam Akers, who was supposed to be cut just a few weeks prior, and then suddenly everybody wants to draft Cam Akers over Rashad White. Why? That makes no sense to me. I, I will die on the hill that Rashad White is going to win so many fantasy football leagues this year. Uh And you can quote me on that. Please do if I'm wrong. You know, bring this up at the end of the season because I won't be. Uh, Rashad White is the guy that you need to be leaving your drafts with.
1: It's going to look so bad if he's not, but there really is not a thing. If he's healthy, he's going to be productive for fantasy football and there is no other way about it. Disagree in the comments. Let us know how you feel about it. But again, Rashad White should be the guy. But before we end our My Guys show, we might as well talk about our stat of the week, the best segment that we have come up with over the last few months. And our stat of the week this week is, is really interesting to talk about, to put a little discourse in about running backs who get a lot of touches the previous year. Uh, we looked into it and, and Ben found that of the running backs that were top three in touches over the last 10 years, only nine out of those 30 players finished as a top 10 running back the following season. So pretty much the, the what the stat is saying is that if a player finishes near the top of the NFL in touches – they're less likely to repeat the, you know, to finish in the top 10 the next year in fantasy football. And I think a lot of it, maybe it's because of increased injury risk after a lot of touches or maybe a different offensive role. But Ben, like, what do you, what do you think about this stat? Nine out of 30 top three guys in touches finishing in the top 10 is beyond insane to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Um, the more wear and tear on your body, we know that they running back is that type of position where like, you're just going to keep getting beat down week after week after week. And then you're supposed to go out the next year and do the same exact thing. We've kind of seen with running backs that that's not really possible. I talked about last week on our show, why Josh Jacobs is one of the biggest Busts that you can possibly be drafting in the NFL. And it's just because he took a huge beating last year. He led the NFL in total touches. And I don't see a world where he comes back and finishes as a top 10 running back this year. I don't. I have him outside my top 12. And then you take a look at like Derrick Henry, who I think Derrick Henry, we can all agree, he's kind of father time. He was in the top three. Saquon Barkley, he's the other guy who rounds out that top three. And then statistically, one, if not both of those guys, is just destined to not have a good year this year. I don't know who it should be. I love both Saquon and Henry this year, but it means 100%. I don't want any exposure to Josh Jacobs.
1: Yeah, I mean, take it one step further. Um, uh, You tweeted this out last week that of the last 10 running backs to lead the NFL in touches, just one of them finished in the top 10 in fantasy points in the following season. That was Ezekiel Elliott. Um, in his sophomore season. But besides that, every other running back for the last 10 years did not finish top 10 in the following season. So Josh Jacobs right now with the contract holdout after leading the NFL in touches, uh, it is just not looking good for him right now. Again, we're not saying we hate Josh Jacobs. We're just saying definitely keep this in mind as a data point when it comes to your fantasy football drafts, but don't forget to tune in next Tuesday at 2 PM as always for another episode of the fifth down fantasy podcast or wherever you get your podcast from, but he is at Ben Wolby. I am at Alex Caruso, and this is the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, turn the bell notifications on, and never forget as we get in the draft season to keep chasing that upside. Until next time.